Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale Stacks. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California, and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This week, we're dusting off Witch and Teacher's Pet. Before we talk about this week's episodes, I wanted to let our listeners know that we had some technical difficulties this week. Somehow the first five minutes of the podcast went missing somewhere between recording it and opening it up on my laptop. Thankfully, the majority is still intact, but I wanted to summarize for y'all what was deleted. Mike and I discussed the appeal of standalone or one-off episodes of the show. Buffy's season format is typically to have a big bad that they spend the whole season fighting, culminating in the season finale. But in most episodes, they're fighting a monster of the week, which they're able to defeat in one episode, maybe two if it's a cliffhanger. You're able to enjoy one at a time, and it's easier to bring in new or casual fans because they don't have to sit down for 12 hours and watch a whole season or sit through you explaining what they've missed. You can watch one episode, and they basically understand what's going on. Now, let's head into the Stunnydale Stacks and open the books on Witch. First off, there's been some debate over the proper title of this episode. It's been referred to as either Witch or The Witch. I always refer to it as The Witch, but Mike pointed out that the official title is Witch, and that's because there's actually multiple witches. Not Willow, at least not yet, but in addition to Amy's mom, Giles casts a spell of his own. It's fun, though, to think of everything that's going to happen to Willow in light of this episode. I really don't think they had any way of knowing where they were going to end up with her, but there is some fun, unintentional foreshadowing going on. Which is the third episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is the first episode not directed by creator Joss Whedon, and the first episode to not have any vampires. In the whole series, there will only be eight episodes without any vamps in them. And uh, another first that I really enjoy, it's one of very few episodes that has no deaths. Nobody dies it's in this technically episode. technically true. Yeah. Technically true. Somebody has a fate far worse than death, um, which we'll talk <laughs> so about. So great. Awesome. So, as the witch opens, or excuse me, witch opens, what have you, uh, we see Giles scolding Buffy because she's not taking her calling as a slayer seriously enough, mm-hmm. and she's aligned herself to some terrible cult. I love this. This is shot so great. Mm-hmm. The camera stays super tight on Giles during his really British rant, and as he finishes tirade, he reveals, or we reveal, Buffy in a cheerleading uniform. I love it. This is just great. This is so Joss. And I think it sets up a really good dynamic of it's clear that these characters both care and like about each other, but disagree. And I feel like that's something that gets through in this episode a lot at different points that it's, oh, these are characters who are, you know, they're just getting to know each other, having the mentor mentee relationship, but they really do seem to like both be smart and have different opinions, but are able to navigate that really well, which is a, a, a part of that relationship that I really enjoy. And what I really enjoy about this scene is the fact that it does such a good job of showing, not telling. Mm -hmm. The idea of Buffy really wants to be a normal girl and have normal girl things, like be a cheerleader. And that really conflicts with her calling as a slayer. In just that one shot of her holding the pom-poms. 
what? You don't like the color? I love <laughs> it. Oh my God. So well done. Now let me ask you, because I've talked to um, cheerleading people. I know you have a history with cheerleading. Is it true that pom-poms aren't very often used in cheerleading and it's considered kind of offensive how overused they are in the media? I have it in my to talk about this later, but let's talk about this now. <laughs> so... Yes, listeners, I was a cheerleader through <laughs> elementary school, junior high, high school, and college. I will say that through all of that, I only had pom-poms for college. And as proof... Uh-oh. Hold on. I'm going to see if our listeners can hear this. This isn't static. I brought I my pom-poms. <laughs> Ready? I'm going to shake them for you. Okay. Those are my pom-pom shaking. My college pom-poms. Mike can confirm they're maroon and gold, which are Sunnydale's colors. Exactly. This in no way influenced my decision on which college to attend, (laughs) but it was a happy bonus. It it did not influence. It wasn't wasn't taken away uh, from it. it Let's give him one more shake. Ready? And if we need any leaf rustling sound effects throughout the rest of the uh, episode, there we go. We're all Done. Set. Yes, I only had pom poms for college. I'm not offended by how how often they're used. I'm offended by a lot of things with cheerleading in the media. Parts of me come out with this episode. I mm. will say that overall, I think they did a good job showing the cheerleading. Okay. I will speak up when they don't. Mm. <laughs> Actually. Finally getting my pom-poms in college. Remember, I had elementary school, junior high, high school, and it wasn't until college I got my pom-pom. I'm really sad I didn't have pom-poms earlier. They're (laughs) fun. Like, And there's a proper way to hold them and a proper way to use them. It sounds like you're being licensed a firearm as like a a military service. A little bit. Like as a little girl, you watch these girls with pom-poms like, yeah, I want those. And then you don't (laughs) see them till you're 18. Like that's that's a long waiting period. There are a lot of things in life that are like that. People complain about three days for firearms. We're talking about like 10 years for pom-poms. To be fair, though, you probably could have bought them on your own, just not used them at cheerleading. Doesn't count. (laughs) Uh, so Giles forbids her from trying out for the cheerleading team. Buffy insists that she can have it all, a normal teenage life, and superpowers. Yeah. However, then we cut to a bubbling cauldron, yes. which foreshadows probably not all that normal. Mm-hmm. Not that safe. It's this. I love that it's a scene with two jokes that are editing jokes, where it's yes. um, this cult cheerleading outfit. It's safe. Bubble, bubbling cauldron of death. And it's... I like that joke form. It's a little old-fashioned, but I think it works well. And I heard an interview with Joss a long time ago, and I'm probably going to quote this incorrectly because I didn't Mm. write this down in my notes, that when he first started filming for TV, he didn't realize that when you shoot for TV, you're really shooting for radio. People aren't really watching the TV. Mm. They're cooking dinner while the TV is playing. And that's really obvious, I think, in season one, that there are editing jokes like this where you have to be looking at the TV to get the joke. Exactly. Which I think it's, I think it's unfortunate that those jokes don't necessarily continue through the seven seasons because Joss learns his lesson of not everybody's paying attention. Yeah. I, and I like the, the fact that you can still get it. I don't think you, you lose what's happening, but I like that it rewards you for paying attention, which yes. I think is always a neat thing. Yes. When there's little payoffs. Another payoff that comes up later in this episode, if you're paying attention to the series as a whole, is that Dr. Gregory is in it 
for a little bit. And he's the the teacher in the next episode, which you wouldn't think such a minor oh. character. That's a nice little continuity that's like... I missed it on the first viewing, but I watched it again, and I noticed, hey, that's the guy from the next episode. Nice! Excellent. Good attention to detail. In support of Buffy's cheerleading tryouts, supposedly, (laughs) Xander gives Buffy a tennis bracelet inscribed with the words, yours always. That's a, a bit way too forward. Is she dumb? I mean, everyone, anyone would realize that's not a friend gift. In his excuse, which he seems to not think that this might ever come up as an issue at the time, is, oh, they all came like that. There's only one place to buy jewelry, and it all said this one thing, and you needed to buy jewelry because your friend was trying out for cheerleading. The story does not None add of up, this. Xander. None of this makes sense. And while, like, I accept that Xander is dumb or silly enough to use this excuse, mm-hmm. Buffy, I feel like, is not dumb enough to fall for it. Slow the, the, the breaks down on this one. It's yes. it's very odd how, especially in the earlier days, it really reflects, the show does, the dumbness of a teenage infatuation, sometimes to points that I think are a little beyond the pale, where... Xander being in love with Buffy or Willow being in love with Xander, they do or say or react to things in ways that are dumber than their characters are in all other aspects. We were all really dumb as teenagers. We made stupid decisions. And quite often, teenagers think that they are madly in love with their soulmates when really it's a six-month high school boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... It's similar to the fact that in junior high, everyone's just biologically kind of an asshole. But some people are generally nicer, so they're nicer versions of the junior high school asshole that everyone is. So it's uh, it's important to keep that in mind in these early episodes. We get to see a lot of Xander also being pervy on all the cheerleaders when he comes to see Buffy. Which I think is very true true to life of any like high school boy. That like there are girls in short skirts doing stretchy things. <laughs> and one of my favorite lines is um, Willow saying, you were pretending that seeing scantily clad girls in stretchy poses was a religious experience i'm saying who's pretending well it is it is refreshing how honest he is about it because i believe any teenage boy in that situation would be looking exactly where xander is looking at all times sure. but they probably wouldn't be talking about it with their female friends which is is, is kind of almost liberated of him to yeah. be like you know what i'm totally checking out these hot ladies yeah lady friend So we're also introduced to Amy, who is Willow's one-time friend, who desperately, desperately wants to be a cheerleader. Mm -hmm. Mike, was there a team or a club in high school that you desperately wanted to be a part of but weren't? I wouldn't say there was a club I desperately wanted to be a part of. There was a club I was very uh, disappointed to no longer be a part of. Okay. So basically, my sophomore year... I got onto the speech team, forensics is uh, what other people call it. Uh, I don't think as much since CSI kind of (laughs) took over that term. But speech team, you give speeches or do little skits or scenes or improv, all sorts of different categories. I was on that for one year and they got me on varsity to start off, which is an unheard of thing. You usually have to go through. Exactly. Not so cool when the next year they just didn't have me back. I auditioned and everything. And in fact, the last event I competed in, I won a medal at the year before. They didn't ask me back because the team strategy that year was we were in a rebuilding year, to use the sports term, so they did not ask me back. 
So it was it was a bit upsetting. I got over it because I was still able to do uh, theater and hang out with all my uh, geeky, nerdy friends. Uh, but I don't have the experience of really wanting to be on the team or in this show because this is the one show that'll make me the coolest kid in school. So as we mentioned previously, I was a major geek in high school. This bothered me to no end. I really, really wanted to be part of the popular crowd. As uh, a grown woman, I can now admit, like, dumb. I sh- my energy should have lied elsewhere. But dumb high schooler student, I really, really mm. wanted to be popular and have the popular kids like me. Uh, so as previously mentioned, I was a cheerleader. And I have to say, I see a lot of myself in Amy and in oh. not the good parts. So you were trapped in your mom's body? Exactly. In- oh, yes. Okay. No, that's exactly what happened. No, my mom actually put zero pressure on me. I was all about cheerleading ever since I was a little girl. I really wanted to be the cheerleader. Oh. I got sent to cheerleading camp since I was like young enough to put on a mini itty bitty dolls uniform. <laughs> so my high school, I was a cheerleader in junior high. My high school actually had three squads. We, uh. you didn't have a speech team. You had to give all those resources yeah, know, to right? the cheerleading squads. Uh, so we had basketball, football, and wrestling. Okay. Only the very best girls were on basketball because this was the same squad that went to cheerleading competitions. Allah, bring it on. <laughs> Everyone on basketball was also on football, but there were also some girls on football that were okay, but not good enough to make it on basketball. So that was like second tier. Third tier, where you weren't great, but didn't suck so bad, you were totally cut 100%, was the wrestling squad. So you cheered for the wrestlers, which I've been told is weird to a lot of people. Uh, So I was on the wrestling squad for three years. Reminder, third tier. I really desperately wanted to be a basketball cheerleader for every single year during tryouts. I was a crying frantic mess during tryouts i mean literally one year while they were teaching us the dance i like just devolved into tears <laughs> because i couldn't get it perfectly and one of like the senior girls had to take me aside and help me to stop crying because mm. i just wanted to be a cheerleader so bad so finally senior year you use witchcraft right that okay I checked out the scantily clad engravings in the library and learned witchcraft and made my own squad. No. So I was on the football squad senior year and made first alternate for basketball, meaning that if someone got sick, I would be the first person to step up and take their space. To this day, I think that decision was made more out of pity than Mm. talent. It was a a Rudy decision. We appreciate your spirit. Yes. I never, ever wanted to anyone harm on the squad. I need to be very clear about that. Again, it was a big deal to me to be popular. And this is another way I really feel akin to Amy. I was that person that didn't fit in at tryouts. Mm. Everyone else was friends. And when I was around, they would pick on me. They would bully me. They'd be snarky. So I really feel like I was Amy. I desperately want Cordelia to like me besides the fact she's a bitch. Just like Uh, me. And it never happened. If Um, only you had had brownies with Buffy. I know, right? So, again, this is my disclaimer that I will get a little OCD when it comes to some of the cheerleading aspects of this episode. Okay. That being said, Amber, mm-hmm. the supposed expert cheerleader, is not cheerleading. What? She is dancing. Cheerleaders do not do pirouettes. Okay. This is dancing. She's a fine... She's an okay dancer. Okay. Ooh. She's okay. 
But she isn't this like whole like she's the greatest cheerleader. No. But she trained with Benson. He's the best. Okay, let's talk about that, too. You've never heard of a cheerleading coach? They at least need to have a faculty advisor. In my high school, you had to be state certified to coach cheerleading because there's so much safety involved. You throw people into the air. Mm -hmm. You need to have, like sufficient people supervising that yeah. so the idea that buffy's like they have cheerleading coaches you better have a cheerleading coach <laughs> no, where's your, your faculty advisor down. i mean like I, I understand she's referring to private cheerleading coaches sure. again i understand i'm being sure. ocd about the cheerleading thing but this line bugs me okay i always had two cheerleading coaches per year Speaking of Amber, there is a weird uh, gem that you may have already picked up on if you're listening very closely. Uh, the really expert cheerleader is named Amber. She was trained by a man named Benson. Whoa! Amber Benson Whoa! is a later cast member of Buffy the Vampire Okay, Slayer. so there's no way they could have planned that. No, there's this no way they This is another thing in this yeah. episode that there's no way they could have planned, but no. somehow foreshadowed. That one I don't think was Joss being... Uh, fortuitous because i don't think he knew you know what in about four years i'm, I'm gonna, gonna cast, cast a woman named amber benson i'm gonna put uh, this reference very arcanely into this episode and then she'll be tara yes that's crazy pants i did not catch up on that <laughs> so amber as she's trying out starts smoking not like with a cigarette but she actually catches fire and her pom-pom slash hands catch fire mm-hmm. uh buffy puts out the fire by smothering her with a banner Mm-hmm. The Snoopy gang then regroups at the library. Giles is inappropriately excited yes. <laughs> for this new supernatural that's phenomenon. That's so adorable, though, that Giles is so finally something that's not a vampire. I get to use all these it. books. <laughs> it's, 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 it's adorable. His cornucopia. It. Uh, this is why he's here. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course he's excited. Yeah. So why does she catch fire? Willow is going to hack into her personal fire, and Xanner's going to ask around about Amber. Buffy mentions that this is the first time she's dealt with something that wasn't a vampire. Also mentions that it's been like over a year that she's been fighting vampires. Seems like it's, that's a long time considering that the rest of the show, she's constantly encountering non-vampires. I guess you could say it's because of the Hellmouth. The non-vampire things aren't as widespread. Uh, but it is a little weird that she's never come up against anything that's not a vampire. So back at home, Joyce is unpacking art for her art gallery, which we will never, ever see. This is one of my pet peeves in film and TV is jobs that almost nobody has in real life that everybody has in movies and TV. And I feel like gallery owner or person who works at a gallery is one of those jobs. You have to be really qualified to be like a gallery curator. You have to know your shit. Mm -hmm. Joyce better have a PhD in art history. Exactly. And it just seems like an, an, an odd choice because it doesn't really add anything to her game in the in the show. I guess that may, might be the point that she's so of a different world. She's an art gallery owner. She doesn't have. I think we just needed her to do something. Yeah, and it like needs, she's a single mom, she needs to have a good job. Need to explain why Buffy has a pretty nice house and that they can afford to repair things all the time and uh, treat Buffy's wounds. And a never repeating or- wardrobe. I'd like to see the art gallery. It doesn't bother me that mm-hmm. she runs an art gallery. It bothers me that we never go there. Yeah, it's... And, like, why is she unpacking art at home? That is also kind of weird that she has... Weird. Not just one thing that she has to check out, but it's as if she got all of the art delivered to her home in yeah. giant crates. Like, there's one episode where she takes out a mask, and she decides to bring a mask home. 
makes fine. Sense. I told like, you have this favorite piece that you're like, no, and I like this piece is coming home with mm-hmm. me. Why did all this stuff get delivered to your house? Is the gallery, do you have no place to store it there? Do you not have a lock for the gallery yet? I I don't get the situation. Again, seven, well, for Joyce, five seasons. We're never going to see this gallery. No, we're never going to. And it it only comes up tangentially occasionally, like you say, she brings a mask home. It, It seems like a missed opportunity. I feel like. When you have so few characters, as you will on a TV show, that recur as much as uh, the main character's mom, to have it be something that just you don't really talk about just seems like a wasted opportunity. Agreed. Uh, So Buffy is disappointed because her mom shows a lack of enthusiasm for Buffy's extracurriculars. Which is a nice contrast to Amy and uh, Mrs. Madison, her mom, which is the exact opposite problem, that she cares way too much. Good point. I've never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. That is good. Yeah. Shows that both can be a problem. Yes, correct. There's a nice happy medium somewhere. Mm-hmm. So back at tryouts, we finally get to see some real cheerleading. <laughs> Amy does a cartwheel and lands on Cordelia. Okay. Oh. I did this. I totally did this at a game. Oh. Junior high, uh, we were on the sidelines and everybody took turns doing a cartwheel down the sidelines. It's a very narrow space Mm -hmm. and i totally did a cartwheel and kicked a girl named rachel reha smack in the face and i was so mortified she was so nice about it she was so nice that makes it worse sometimes (laughs) almost right like she was just like oh no it's fine it's fine like girl i kicked you in the head are you okay you should never be fine with that (laughs) she's like oh no it's fine like i am so sorry oh my god rachel if you are listening I am still so sorry. And uh, Rachel, if you're listening, it sounds like it was hilarious. I swear to God, I went home and practiced my cartwheels to make sure I could do them on a straight line. Good lesson uh. to learn. So Cordelia is pissed. She confronts Amy in the be- the locker room. Mm-hmm. Uh, she threatens her that she'll be sorry if Cordelia doesn't make the team. The really cool detail and point is that Cordelia keeps wrapping this, like, pink headband mm-hmm. around her hands, which will come up later. I swear to God, I only realized this this watching of the episode. This is one thing that I, I noticed is that they do a good job of setting up, oh, these are the items that will be used uh, by which later. And it doesn't feel too forced in because there's already a story reason that Xander has the bracelet that he gives to Buffy. That's a whole story thing. And it just seems like a natural thing that you're in a locker room, you'd have a whatever headband in your hand because you probably just took that off. So it doesn't seem super forced like it can in a lot of shows and movies where it's, why are we paying so much attention to this coffee mug? I bet this coffee mug comes up later. Look, there's that coffee mug we saw. And that's what they don't like about Joss is that he... he Assumes that his audience is smart instead of assuming that his audience is stupid. Yeah. I, again... I've seen this episode a million times. This watching is the first time I noticed that damn pink headband. Mm-hmm. But Joss assumes, hey, you know what? You're smart enough to catch it. Yeah. And even if you don't catch it, that's fine. We're moving on. Well, you'll figure it out that the next person to get cursed is obviously Cordelia. That must have been her headband. Yes. Maybe next time you watch it, you'll see it. I also like that this sets up the possibility. Because if you think watching this original run, you don't know Cordelia is on for a couple more seasons and then goes on to Angel. It's very possible she could be a witch. She could yeah. be the witch at this point. We yeah. don't know that much. I mean, we know that she doesn't uh she doesn't seem to know about vampires yet, 
But you could be a witch and not know about vampires. That's perfectly possible. And he doesn't necessarily possible. know about vampires either. Exactly. But Cordelia's got rage going. We know that. Exactly. We so. know cheerleading's super important to mm-hmm. her. We know that she's not nice. A good prerequisite for uh, witch casting spells against people to do them harm. Good red herring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is another thing that like, I'd be really interested to ask people who watch these in chronological order mm-hmm. of what did you think at this yeah. point. Uh, so the lists are posted. Big moment. Buffy is first alternate, and Amy is third oh, alternate. Oh, that's great, right? No! That means that Buffy will only make the team if somebody gets hurt. No. And Amy will only make the team if three people get hurt, <laughs> which probably in a normal cheerleading year should not happen. No, no. No. Exactly. I also like that Xander going up to see the results of a cheerleader tryout is one of the shots used for several seasons in the opening credits. Him going up to see the sheet is one of the two big shots in the opening credits where they, you know, show two shots from the show. One of those is him going up to the board to look at the credits. Oh my gosh, I haven't even noticed that. I'm going to notice that in the credits. See, I told you, I don't pay attention to the credits. I just think it's so funny because it looks like, oh, he's doing something big and important. He's, no, he's checking Shirley. Oh he's my gosh. checking Shirley tryouts for somebody else. Nice. It's pretty cool. I love it. Back at the bubbly cauldron at Amy's house, or excuse me, somebody's house, <laughs> somebody's casting a spell. A Cordelia voodoo doll is wrapped with the pink sweatband mm-hmm. and is blinded. So Xander, meanwhile, laments to Willow being in the friend zone. Mm-hmm. And this is where we get the great line, you don't have to drive it through my head like a railroad spike, which makes me geek out every time. Exactly. Again, I I don't really think Joss knew Mm -hmm. what he was foreshadowing, but I love it. Yeah. I think it speaks more to the fact that it's, you know, written by or with people in the same writer's room. That's probably just an image that stuck in Joss Whedon's skull. So when they're in the writer's room, that's just something that he, he would suggest. Or that he would like if somebody suggested it, and then it comes up later, not realizing that it's already been used as a reference once. Nice phrasing, stuck in his skull. (laughs) (laughs) I also like uh, the Xander as the chewed-up pen reference. Yeah. Uh, I I like any weird self-deprecating visual. Or anytime Willow unintentionally uh, kind of deprecates Xander, I always find very hilarious. Because he is, you know, the Zeppo. He's uh, very... Sad, funny, tragic, also red kind of person. Also kind of the way he treats Willow in these first couple of seasons. He's asking for it. He is asking for Willow to kind of get a dig in. Mm -hmm. So if if it came from anyone else, I might be like, hey, if it comes from Willow, I'm like, yeah, girl. And it's always so (laughs) sweet. And it it usually seems like she's not even intending it to be as mean as it is, which makes it all the better and all the more scarring to the other. Yes, yes. Buffy notices Cordelia acting funny and follows her, which is good, because she's about to drive and driver's dead. Ooh, so many questions here. Okay, I'm assuming they're, they're assuming that this spell also makes you act like an idiot. Right, I have it in here. She's not acting blind so much as drunk. Exactly. Really drunk. Because being blind doesn't make you also do things that you shouldn't do when you're blind. Because yes. it's like she tries to get in the locker that's not hers and just walks off and then just like, I don't think I should do this. Okay, I guess I'm just going to drive blind? That doesn't make sense. And even when the teacher's like, check your mirrors, it's not like she looks at the mirrors and was like, oh, I don't see anything. She doesn't even look. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, like she's really high. Yeah, it's, it's like she's really high and she doesn't listen to the repeated warnings to turn this way or stop, use your brakes. It's, it's a weird thing to say that, oh, she just went blind when really she just 
started acting crazy. Yeah. Also, why can't the driver's ed teacher control her brakes? Yeah. Did, every, so did you take driver's ed? Yes. Can they control? Could they control the brake in your car? Every driver's ed car I've heard of has that, where it's you yeah. have the gas and brake on the other side. I'm guessing there's probably some driver's ed that doesn't have that, but it seems like it's a pretty affluent school. I mean, that's Sunnydale. the whole point yeah. of the driver's ed car. Otherwise, your parents can just take you out. Exactly. Although maybe the reason that it's in a parking lot with orange cones instead of actually taking anybody anywhere outside is because they don't have that. But I will say my driver's ed teacher used the brake on me twice. Ooh. And I'm like, remember distinctly those two times of like, I drove so bad that you had to brake on me twice. I had the opposite problem in driver's ed of, and it was only once, but it tortured me for the rest of my driving ed career. Very early on. <laughs> so I was in a semester. Basically. Uh, it was a long career, a storied career of up to three months. <laughs> But very early on, I was in a neighborhood we were driving around that was very hilly, that I did not know, that was full of cul-de-sacs. It, it, it felt like it was a Indiana Jones maze temple of traps. <laughs> so I was riding the brake because this neighborhood seemed unsafe to me. Not because I rode the brake and I didn't ride the brake before or after that at any point. It was just this neighborhood I did not feel comfortable going full speed at. Yeah. So I, for every time after that... The person would look at the notes like, oh, I see you ride the brake. No, I did that one time. I did it one time, guys. It's like it was on my permanent record. I will say there was one time where my mom took me out downtown Naperville, Mm -hmm. which is a suburb outside of Chicago, which is the closest thing to a city outside of Chicago. It's a large uh, suburb, and it is the only place where you can find one-way streets Mm. in the suburbs, really. It's a city-like driving atmosphere. And I drove the wrong way down a one-way street with my mother in her car, and God bless that woman. She stayed completely silent through the whole thing. The other drivers were really respectful and, like, lightly honked their horns or flashed their brakes while I went down the wrong way and finally found my way back to the right-way street. And she was afterwards, she was just very quiet and goes... Okay, so that was the wrong way. <laughs> I was like, wow, mom, you're being very nice about this. Instead of screaming at me like probably I would do to my own child. <laughs> I can't imagine experience. being a parent and be- having a kid with your permit. I think I might just like die of a heart yeah. attack. That was very frightening. I, I'm not a very confident driver. I get very scared. I feel like I'm, it, it's like I'm using a giant death machine. It, it's very <laughs> nerve-wracking for me. So I was very uh, nervous after driver's ed and after about my first year of driving because my mom's car and the driver's ed car at my school were the same model car. Oh. So I was terrified the first time I drove a car that wasn't a Ford Taurus because I was like, I, what if it's not the same? Nice. What if I don't understand how to how to steer and how to brake without the exact same car? I can see that. Uh, but Cordelia sucks. <laughs> she crashes <laughs> yes, she the car is almost hit by a truck, but thankfully Buffy saves mm-hmm. her. Cordy, we find out, is blind. Mm-hmm. Blind and crazy. Another good point, uh, the truck driver is also seemingly under a spell because he does not only not break for a woman, obviously, in the road, he doesn't even honk. He just drives straight through and, and doesn't, doesn't stop. stop afterwards. No. no. I guess the, the spell is just anybody who's nearby in, in a car is going to go blind and crazy. That was the real spell. It wasn't just against Cordelia. My head off to you, Amy, because that surely is a powerful spell. Exactly. Giles concludes that this spell has been done by a witch. The common factor between Amber and Cordy is cheerleading. Buffy immediately thinks that Amy wants to be a cheerleader so bad she's willing to do major harm. Mm -hmm. I think this is kind of a leap. Yeah. 
They see which student checked out the witchcraft books most recently. I love and this. It's, of course, Xander looking at these semi-nude engravings. I love it. <laughs> it's very in character, and I love that mm-hmm. Buffy and Willow immediately are like, oh yeah, I know why you checked out those books, because yeah. you're a perv. And he just, oh, so you do know. That is exactly why. Another uh, quick title shout-out. The other main shot of Nicholas Brandon in the opening credits is him sitting down in this scene. Apparently they uh, were very last minute on getting shots of Nicholas Brandon for the opening credits. They're like, we got one episode, we gotta get these quick. He does some stuff in this first season, too. Like, he's... Sa- straight up saved Buffy mm-hmm. in the last episode yeah. as he helped her close a door. They couldn't use some of those shots. Use the dream sequence from the next episode. He looks kind of like badass in a couple moments. Yeah. There. That's know. weird. So they find out that they can figure out if she's a witch by spilling a potion on her skin. Mm-hmm. If she's a witch, it'll turn blue. Yeah. And this is where it's kind of revealed, at least early on, Buffy is not great at undercover work. No. Because she's just kind of <laughs> like, oh, uh, how do I tell what, what? chemicals are witch? You read them. Oh, I'm too stupid to think of that. Oh, my pen. Grab some hair. It's it's very Keystone Cops, and it's it's it's. I get it. It's funny. They're not experienced at this, but it is. I example. think this is realistic. I mean, not everybody's an actor. <laughs> yeah. Some people, when they try, fail miserably. Mm-hmm. Buffy is one of those people. She's yeah. never been a good no. liar. Yeah. I think they, they, they should realize next time, send, send somebody else, because it does actually tip Amy off. And this is where I kind of want to get into my weird continuity of the episode that's never talked about, but I think is a thing. So if you track the people that are witchcrafted, uh, it's all people that are on the team until the girl in science class the girl gets her mouth shut which right we're, we're, we're talking I don't about think we ever learn her name no we never learn her name and kind of in a, in a weird 2015 light it's the first black character we've seen literally she cannot talk because she doesn't have a mouth and we never <laughs> learn her name but that put aside we're assuming she's alternate number two because buffy's number one so my theory is that amy or amy's mom more appropriately actually liked talking to Buffy because we see her talking earlier and she might have actually gotten Buffy on the team too because she doesn't go after Buffy right away. She assumed, we're assuming, goes after alternate number two, which would lead Buffy next. And it seemed like before that she was just kind of going at whoever would get her in the team fastest. So I think that she might not have actually gone after Buffy if Buffy hadn't gone after her as the witch. Absolutely. I think that the spell mm-hmm. on Buffy was definitely not only a way to get her on the squad, mm-hmm. but also retribution for this skin blue spell. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised she doesn't go after the team captain, who's a royal bitch to everybody. Yeah, that seems like an odd choice. Maybe she just knows that that's a good team captain, and she doesn't actually want to hurt the team. She just wants to get on it. Maybe, yeah. So Amy's skin does turn blue, but at the mm-hmm. same time, as we mentioned, the girl's mouth is shut. Mm-hmm. And really good effect, I think. It no, very well done. Amy looks shocked, which throws off the Scooby gang because they're like, oh, well, she looks shocked, so it must not have been her. Why? Have they yeah. never heard of lying? Yeah, of acting, which, yeah, I feel like is obvious in the real world, but in the world of fantasy and sci fi, people say that. You kind of have to take everyone at their word. Lying is hard to pull off because there's so many things that aren't real that we don't necessarily know the rules of. So you don't have as much lying unless it's very clearly designated as lying. And the fact that they never really say that makes it a bit confusing as a viewer to me because I'm thinking like, oh, we'll find out why she was doing that later. 
But it's like, no, we just have to assume that she was lying because she's good at being a witch. And she's uh, been lying for, what, years at this point, yeah. right? Or Well, we don't, we've never established exactly when she switches bodies. But for a while, yeah. she's pulled this off yeah. for a while. So We're she's assuming a good she's actress. the one that like, lost the weight to be a cheerleader. That's yes. what I'm assuming. Yes. Amy, we see, comes home to her mom. Mm-hmm. We learn that she's the witch. <gasps> and she knows what Buffy's up to. Mm-hmm. Amy's mom, meanwhile, doesn't seem to be very pushy. It's all Amy. Uh-huh. The next morning, Buffy wakes up acting way <laughs> too happy and energetic. Due to the injuries of the other cheerleaders, she's now on the squad. Mm-hmm. She's wearing her uniform. She's very happy about this. Seeing Macho Macho Man. I don't really know how to define her actions at this point. I wouldn't say like a quart of tequila is accurate. More like a sugar high. Yeah, it's yeah, it's like a very young kid on a sugar high because it's at once very hyped up, but also kind of drunk. Like yeah. there's maybe there's some weird cocktail of illegal drugs I'm not familiar with that would do that as well. It makes me think of not a high school on a sugar high, but a five year old on a sugar exactly. high. They get nuts out. Yeah. Where it just completely throws off their whole biochemistry. They can't handle that amount of sugar that they just took in. So she continues to act crazy during practice and ends up throwing another girl clear across the gym. <laughs> as a result, she's quick kicked off the squad putting Amy on the squad. Mm-hmm. In her drunk-like state, Buffy tells Xander she loves him because uh, he's just like one of the girls. No. Ouch. Yeah. That's, I, again, I just love, maybe it's the masochist in me because I can kind of identify with Xander. I love the weird little digs like that where he's just kind of deprecated or emasculated a little bit because... There is a, a bit of Xander that's a little too full of himself. Yeah. He's, he's still like a nice guy and he's a great friend. But there is a little bit where he's got a little bit too much of that macho man pride, when, which you need to have undercut to make him still a likable character. You kind of feel like he's never... He, Buffy's never shown him any romantic interest. Exactly. He's not really outwardly showing Buffy a romantic mm-hmm. interest. He's not yeah. coming out and saying how he feels so he shouldn't really be rewarded for no. being kind of stalkery. Yeah. It's that, you know, very typical thing, especially in high school, where you just kind of, if I'm near the person that I like for long enough, they must realize they love me. Yeah, no. No, that's not how that works at all. Super happy Buffy turns into mm-hmm. super sick Buffy. Mm-hmm. Giles says that it's a bloodstone vengeance spell. I love that name. It's a really good name. Yeah. It will surely kill Buffy unless they can cast a spell that will break all of Amy's previous spells. Mm-hmm. So Giles and Buffy go to Amy's house to speak to her mother. In who- the first appearance of the Citrion, the Giles mobile. Ooh, mm-hmm. nice. Another first. Amy's mother was eating brownies. Ooh, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. They accuse her of putting too much pressure on Amy to cheer. She denies caring about cheering at all and admits to being f- afraid of her own quote-unquote daughter. Mm-hmm. Buffy figures out that Amy's mom has actually switched bodies with Amy so she can mm-hmm. relive her glory days. I really like this scene because Buffy's able to be the smart one in the room and figure it out, but they also don't make Giles look like a complete idiot. Yes. I like that they're able to do both. Yes. Because it's it's that she's able to figure it out because of knowledge she has. She's really like great deduction of she's not acting right for what i know of who this person is there's brownies i know that's a thing that the daughter likes 
there's witchcraft involved. You know what? I figured this out. And Giles is going a little bit more like he's in an interrogation just trying to pin her down, but not being like dumb about it, where as soon as Buffy brings it up, he's like, wait, what is that? Well, and he doesn't know the story of the brownies. He didn't see the brownies under Mm -hmm. the couch. So we give him leeway for that. I really like these moments where Buffy, like, great, she's got superpowers, granted. Mm -hmm. The Slayer lore did not give her these deductive abilities. Mm -hmm. This is all Buffy. She's just a really smart girl. She may not be book smart. Maybe her Slayer responsibilities mean that she doesn't get straight A's because she's out slaying all night instead of studying. But I love when she uses her smarts to save the day. Uh, So uh, when they go up to the attic to find out all the witchy stuff, I love one of my favorite cliches comes up. Uh, Giles opens up a trunk and a cat! Nah! Black cat! Yes, a cat popping out of the screen. A great horror movie cliche. That will Uh, also be used in the opening credits credits a lot. Yeah, about half of the opening credits are this episode, it feels like. Back at school, Mrs. Madison is finally a cheerleader again in her Mm -hmm. daughter's body. Giles and Amy in her mom's body. I'm just start using them by who they really are and not okay. by who's in their body because it's going to get confusing. Yeah. Giles and Amy cast a spell down in the mm-hmm. science lab. Meanwhile, Willow and Xander try to stop Mrs. Madison from finding Buffy and Giles. A lot of foreshadowing here. So I'm really excited <laughs> because Willow shows interest in being a witch. Mm-hmm. But also uses negative witch stereotypes. Exactly. What would season four Willow say? I know. Willow, shame Dean on you. Those Bro, are n- that is offensive. That is an offensive negative mm-hmm. stereotype. Shame. But I do like the uh, line where it's, I know there's a really good cauldron. I know. Which is the perfect, I don't know anything about this. I'm no. pulling this completely out of my ass. I'm really just trying to stop you from doing Another thing I like is that everybody in this episode gets a chance to like do something. Because yes. there's a lot of episodes where it feels like, oh, Willow and Sandra are just there to like say funny things in the background but they like actually help they prevent uh, yeah. Mrs. Madison from coming in and Giles is casting a spell and then Buffy gets to beat up and outsmart people so the whole team is working together I like that I love it mm-hmm. and Mrs. Madison uses the Darth Vader grip on Xander exactly. which is fun Mrs. Madison is about to hack Buffy with a fire axe down in the science lab when the Giles spell works and switches the two women's bodies back Buffy and Mrs. Madison fight mm-hmm Buffy once again uses her brain and not the brawn mm-hmm. to win the day. She uses the mirror to cast Mrs. Madison's spell on herself, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Madison disappears. You mean her uh, Ghostbusters magic? Because that's totally what that looked like to me. It was like Ghostbusters special effect of like the new train of wand or whatever, just shooting forth at Buffy and then being shot back. I was confused. I thought you were talking about crossing the streams. I was like, there is totally just one stream. There's only one stream and it's through the mirror. Although one thing I do have to say against the Scooby gang here is that nobody had the thought, oh wait, we're going to switch back their bodies. Maybe we should do something to restrain Amy's mom's body because she's just going to be back in that body. They're novices. Yeah. They're new to this. It's the third episode. Yeah, I, I, I can forgive them that. And I think it's something that you'd only notice on repeat viewing. I yeah. wouldn't think of it on the first time. I'm like, oh, that's right. She's in the body. It's not switching her into another dimension. It's switching her into that lady right there. <laughs> yeah. So Buffy and her mom have a talk where Joyce admits that she'll never understand Buffy. Mm-hmm. And she has no desire to go through high school again. Great foreshadowing as well. Because... Band candy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I, you couldn't pay me to go back to, to my high school days. Not even if it helped me understand you. It's so perfect that that That's gets called true. back later. All I was going to say is, amen, sister. I don't want to go back to high school. No, no thank you. No. How about you? 
No. Uh, unless, like, I could travel back with current knowledge and I'd know I'd be coming back and I could give myself lotto numbers, then no. Lotto numbers. Yes. Nice. Ooh, and then this ending. So back at school, Amy tells Buffy that her dad is being adorably overprotective. Aww. Buffy and Amy are back to being cheerleading alternates. They're not sad by this mm. anymore. But Mike, where's Amy's mom? Oh, oh, you didn't know? Where She's, is she? She uh, has the worst fate of anyone in the entire series. <laughs> She's stuck in her own cheerleading trophy. And what's even creepier, it's not just you hear a voice, you see the eyes yeah. moving in the immobile statue. That is a fate worse than death. Forced to do nothing but watch high schoolers walk the hallways for the rest of her life. Yes, and being surrounded by pictures of your former glory as you just sit there until the school burns down in a couple of years. True. Which is good go. for her. It's like, good she's put out of her misery in only a couple of years. And that's, uh, that's just one of those things that if I'm thinking of just flashes of images of the first season of Buffy. That's one of the things that pops out to me because it's one of those those super creepy endings. Where That's why this episode to me is one of, when I think of season one, The Witch is one of the top mm-hmm. episodes that yeah. comes to mind. Again, it's a standalone episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's high school as hell exactly. in its most clearest form. And it's, it's really well done. It's a great template for so many things that the show does later on. Yes. Um, over and over, or just continues to do over and over again. Whether it's the how witches are used in the show, how a monster of the week episode is yep. used, the like you said, the metaphor of high school as hell. All this stuff is really packed into this one episode. It's almost even more so than the pilot. A great encapsulation of this is what the show is about in a way. Yes, where it's the first example. This is what to expect mm-hmm. from this show. Yeah, great. I had a lot of fun finding alternate titles for this, because in different countries, mm. different titles. Uh, some of them a bit more straightforward. Some of them are just called The Witch or A Witch. Uh, I like the French title as Spells. It's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Finnish title is Witch Tricks, which I'm guessing is more of a phrase they must use in, uh, in, in like that Like witchcraft. Area. Yeah, Witch Tricks. I'm guessing yeah. maybe there's more of a impish trickster god appeal to witches over there and then my favorite title is the german title which is bewitched yay it's so adorable so i as you and i've talked about outside the podcast i love the lessons that we're supposed to take away Mm -hmm. from buffy unlike 80s shows that hit you over the head with the moral of the week and then give you a psa afterwards about the dangers of drug use buffy's lessons aren't Tied up with a neat mm-hmm. bow at the end. Exactly. We talk about them, we deal with them, and usually at the end they're not really resolved. Mm-hmm. You're just supposed to walk away thinking, somebody else has been through this before. Exactly. I can take comfort knowing that this is a universal pain mm-hmm. that other people have gone through. I'm not alone. Things will get better. Unless you're Mrs. Madison, in which case we'll be trapped in a horrible nightmare escape. She deserves it. <laughs> Just by just exploring these issues, I know that somebody understands. Exactly. And as talking about high school through as hell just uses that idea and the idea of taking a situation that we are all familiar with and taking it to the 10th degree, mm-hmm. escalating it so that it reaches the absurd, reaches a funny point. Yeah. And by doing that, we're able to... Use that to examine our own lives without being uncomfortable the way an 80s TV show might make us feel about steroids or caffeine pills or whatever. I keep Uh, asking myself, what's the lesson in The Witch? mm -hmm. And I think the lesson in The Witch is very similar to Macbeth. Oh. Beware ambition. 
Okay. You should never want something so bad that you're willing to hurt others to get mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and I think and it did, I think there's actually a couple lessons. I think that's probably the main one. I think you hit on that right on the head. I think there's also the, I guess, more careberry message of just be yourself. Don't be what other people tell you you have to be. God, I wish someone had told high school Kristen that. Yes. I think there's also a lesson for parents of don't push mm-hmm. your desires on other people. Yeah. Let other people live their own lives. Like support your kids, obviously encourage them to do well and to strive for good good things, better things, but let it be the things that they have passion in or skill in or that are what their destiny is. Don't yeah. try to force them to just be copies of you. And that's very literally what happens is the mother becomes the daughter, just tries to relive exactly how she lived high school. And that's how this format works so great, mm-hmm. of taking something that's metaphoric, like don't live through your kids, and just making it literal. Yeah, like she's living, living as her, her kid. kids. Oh, you feel invisible? Great. Let's make that literal. You're, You're invisible. invisible. I love that. And uh, to bring us over to the uh, next episode, another very common thing in high school is when you're first dealing with the idea of sex and your sexual identity, it feeling like there's a horrible monster underneath everything. (gasps) That being said, it's time to put the witch back on the shelf and open the books on Teacher's Pet. And she's a really terrible fighter all of a sudden. Thank goodness Xander's there. Oh, this show is changing. Just as the vampire's about to bite Buffy, Xander shows up and kicks his butt. Xander then, of course, finishes with a guitar solo. (laughs) While an adoring Buffy looks on. (laughs) Meh, meh, meh. Morning alarm sound. (laughs) It's a dream. Xander has fallen asleep in science class where the gang is learning about bugs. Yep. And he's daydreaming about being this awesome guitar playing vamp kicking butt guy uh, who Buffy's in love with. And I I will totally understand if somebody's like, oh, this is such a cliche, like, teenage boy's dream. But there's a reason that's a cliche. Yeah. <laughs> like, any teenage boy, if they were told, like, oh, you could have this scenario, like, the girl you have a crush on will totally be able to show her how macho and cool you are by defeating a monster and then doing an awesome guitar solo. I don't care who you are. You would totally take that off. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. No, we all... And even, like... Let's not just say, like, teenage boy. We all kind of want to be this person where oh, you're saving yeah. the day mm-hmm. and you're a rock star. Like, this is a universal yeah. feeling that there's we all have. There's a reason have. there's been 50 years of James Bond movies because every guy wants to be James Bond. Xander yeah. wants to be James Bond. And Joss does dream scenarios really well, mm-hmm. like, re- like REM sleep dreams. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a good example of a daydream. Exactly. Xander's not really asleep. He's just mm-hmm. kind of drifting off, thinking yeah. about fantasy scenarios. The gang in science class, while Xander is daydreaming, is learning about bugs. Gross. Mm -hmm. One thing I do want to mention about the the dream, because I think it's a great unintentional bit of continuity. In the dream, when Xander throws the stake, again, nowhere near the heart. Really? below the right nipple. 
If you, if you he has at, nipple heart. He has nipple know. heart, yes. Exactly. Nipple heart. She has nipple heart. Apparently all the vampires Xander fights, even in his dreams, have weird heart problems. This is why they lost their original battle with the Slayer, is because exactly. they have terrible medical issues. Exactly. That's, there's no no wonder that, that oh Buffy couldn't defeat him. His heart was in the wrong place. Only Xander knew. That's his superpower. It's true. Uh, so getting back to uh, a- the after dream state. In science class, Buffy clearly hasn't done the reading. Her teacher, Mr. Gregory, though, shows an encouraging interest in her. I love Aww. this. He thinks she has real potential and wants her to put in the work. This is really rare in Buffy's world. Everyone mm-hmm. sees her as a felon and they expect her to fail. This is the first guy. And he literally says, let's make them eat that permanent record. I exactly. love that. And that's a great line. And I love because especially in teenage high school things, it's very easy for the adults to come off as just like, Oafs are jerks, and that's the only yeah, two categories. An overbearing teacher. That, exactly. Yeah. But this is a great example of he's kind of tough but fair. He's nice mean. He's only yes. mean in the sense that, like, I'm not going to just cut you slack because I know you can do better. I want you to do better. You're going to do better. Did you ever have a teacher like Mr. Gregory? No. I really wish I had, though. I feel like I either had teachers who were, like, way too encouraging or just didn't care. I wish I had had a Dr. Gregory. I had one teacher, his name is Mr. Jarvis. He teached, Ooh. or excuse, he teach, that's not a word, he taught. He done teaching you real good. <laughs> oh, no. Clearly, I didn't pay attention enough. <laughs> Freshman year government class, social studies. Okay. While I was a straight A student, I was really struggling in his class. I had like a B minus. Mm. And this is, I never had a B before, let alone a B minus. And this resulted in a lot of like crying in class mm. and embarrassing myself. And he took me aside one day and he said, he gave me a paragraph and it Mm -hmm. said, if I were to ask you what detail from this paragraph would prove that you had done the reading, what would that be? And I chose the really obscure one because I was like, clearly I'm reading really carefully. Mm. And what they were looking for was the main idea of the paragraph. And so what he realized was that it's not that I wasn't reading, but I would latch on to these really specific facts that didn't mm. really matter because I'd find them interesting, yeah. but ignore the whole point of the chapter. You couldn't see the forest through the trees. Ex- That's a really good way of putting that. Thank you. So instead of just saying, like, do better, he actually met with me before, like, cheerleading's practice started at 7 a.m. He met with me at 6 a.m. Oh, every wow. morning for a long time to sit there and read with me and help me figure out what is the main point of a chapter, not these little details that mm-hmm. I would latch on to. And like, he obviously didn't get paid extra. No. Like, as an adult, coming in that early to work to help this girl who's getting straight A's, why should yeah. I help her get an A in my class? Because he just knew that with a little guidance, I could figure it out. Meant so much that to is me. so sweet. I want Mr. Jarvis. I loved Mr. Jarvis. That's what I'm going to tell my high school self when I travel back in time. Yeah. What I'm going to tell my high school self is find uh, Mr. Jarvis and get him as a tutor. That's so he, I think of him when I when I see this Mr. Gregory scene. Oh, that must make later on in the episode. Spoiler alert. Very sad. Oh, really sad. So just after this, Buffy leaves Mr. Gregory and he is attacked by a gross green hand thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, which we later find out is a she-mantis claw. Now, here's where I want to bring up one of many issues with this episode that I have. If you think about it, I don't think it makes any sense. So, is the she-mantis waiting for the mantis unit in the class? Because she doesn't bring that into, like, <laughs> oh, this is what we're going to study now. They established in the episode that was what they were going to study next. 
That can't be a coincidence. That's weird. I never thought about that. Is that what she does? She just travels from town to town. It happens to be like they were studying bugs. So let's let's study bugs. And they even specifically say, like, oh, yeah, we're learning about mantises next or something of that, to that effect. And it's just... That's that's way too convenient. If you had Super said like, coincidental. she's like, oh, um, we're not going to do that lesson plan. We're going to do this one. That would make sense. That would make me. sense because it's like, oh, well, of course you do. That's what you know about because you're a she mantis. But yeah, that's that's one of several things that. And throughout the rest of the episode, as they come become pertinent, I think I'll I'll point um, out where I just took me out of the story. Good point. Mm-hmm. So with the bronze, some high school boys, including football jock Blaine. <laughs> Such a good name for this guy. Blaine. With a Y. Oh, really? That's not how I spelled it in my notes. B-L-A-Y-N-E. Of course it is. It's the of worst. Course it is. Sorry to anybody uh, who spells their name Blaine that way, but... Change you're your name to John. Worst. Just yeah. stop. <laughs> so these jocks are talking about their sexual conquests. Ooh. Xander joins in and pretends that Willow and Buffy are his girlfriends. His babes. You deserve all the embarrassment coming to you. <laughs> So I had a, a guy friend in high school that pretended that I was his girlfriend. This was the stupidest thing ever. Because clearly he liked me, and clearly I liked him. But we kept up this facade of, we're pretending we're dating, to avoid the, like, embarrassment of acknowledging the fact that we were actually dating, to the point that, like, he took me to homecoming as a, quote, joke, and we danced as a, quote, joke, and then we kissed as a, quote, joke <laughs> it was like i mean i've got to admire your commitment to a bit <laughs> oh that's that reminds me it's a little off topic but uh, one of my favorite high school an- anecdotes was two friends who weren't dating and i don't think they wanted to date. I, I could be wrong but these two friends of mine were dancing and the male friend of mine maybe got a little excited by the dancing at the high school dance <laughs> And my female friend noticed that. And they both looked at each other very awkwardly. And he just, with a shrug, said, My compliments to the chef? No! Bad. (laughs) They were the kind of friends that that was a hilarious joke to both of them. Oh my god. They both loved it. They both thought it was hilarious. Oh my god. My compliments to the chef? No. So Angel arrives at the blonde, at the bron- excuse me, Angel does not arrive at the blonde. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, he kind of does. Angel arrives at the bronze. <laughs> Buffy calls him out for his cryptic warning, about time somebody did. Exactly. He gives her his jacket. The jacket! This is such a big moment for girls. <laughs> he gives her the jacket! It's a thing! But this, okay, another weird, maybe neckbeardy thing that th- gets me out of this episode is... And I know it's a plot point thing. We takes off the jacket. Buffy's like, oh, what happened to your arm? And it is torn up. Yeah. It is like to the point where you probably would have to go to the hospital if you weren't a vampire. Sure. She doesn't know he's not a vampire. We're not supposed to know he's not a vampire. Yeah. But like the injuries he has aren't like, ooh, did you cut yourself on the fridge? It's like, no, somebody clearly attacked you with a sharp object trying to kill you. And he doesn't even have like a bandage on it. Dress your wound. I never thought of that. That's a good point. Either yeah. he needs to dress his wound or she needs to get him to a doctor because exactly. she doesn't know he's a vampire. Exactly. But we need to see it for a plot point mm-hmm. again because Angel's arm has been clawed up and mm-hmm. she calls it a fort guy. Mm-hmm. Fort guy attacked him. We don't understand this unspecific danger that attacked yeah. Angel. Cryptic, cryptic, cryptic. She gives him points for being less cryptic. I think he's just as cryptic. Like he's just knowing as that there's a guy that's going to go for your throat, that's I... not particularly useful. I do like that even the DVD for this episode 
kind of admits how samey these angel scenes are in the beginning. Because the DVD title for this chapter is Another Warning. (laughs) I mean, she calls them out for it. It's starting Mm -hmm. to acknowledge. The same way season seven starts to acknowledge the constant war speeches. Mm -hmm. It understands what it's doing. Exactly. So back at school, Mr. Gregory is missing. Enter Natalie French. Ooh. Xander goes nonverbal seeing this woman. I'd say probably even more than nonverbal given I, that reaction a bit much. He creams his pants. Exactly. He creams his pants. Yeah, it's it's very fast times at Ridgemont High, that moment. it's I can imagine Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool, same as Miss French going across. No wonder he can't give her directions. He's still figuring out what's going on down in his under region. Blaine takes an interest and escorts her away. Mm-hmm. She continues their bug lessons with a lecture on the praying mantis mm-hmm. and describes their cannibalistic nature of the females post-coitally. Mm-hmm. And still manages to make it kind of sexy. I don't get the attraction to Miss French. I don't think she's anything special. Am I being a bitchy girl for that? No, I mean, I think it's very much what a teenage boy would be attracted to in a teacher, where it's like, she's got curves and she's like over-sexual. And She's I can, super over-sexual. Exactly. Like, she hits them over the head mm-hmm. with it. It's like post-coital. And plus, she has a weird accent. And a weird, indistinct accent I think is a lot more attractive to a teenage boy. Like, she's a can of bowels. She has, like, just this hint of accent that you can't pin down. Which I mm. think is actually, if it was an intentional choice, kind of cool. That, like, because she's this monster creature. Maybe she doesn't quite get how humans talk. So her mm-hmm. accent isn't an accent that is recognizable. Mrs. French assigns Blaine and Xander to make some model mantis eggs after school. Xander Blaine, of course, takes this as the perfect mm-hmm. opportunity to woo the older woman. Clearly, she wants to get my pants because I want to do extra credit. I mean, who wouldn't want to get in Xander's pants with that sweet, crushed velvet brown polo shirt he's wearing? Season one fashion. <laughs> I think Xander's the worst to me because it just seems like... In the late 90s. It looks like he got dressed in pitch black darkness. Nothing matches. Yeah, and it's just like you didn't have to do that much to look good in the late 90s if you were a dude. And he does. Do you have a flannel? Yes, that's all you need. Flannel shirt. Flannel. You're going to be fine. Cordelia, meanwhile, finds Mr. Gregory's body in the lunchroom fridge. Mm -hmm. Minus a head. This is another issue. The janitors at Sunnydale are the shittiest janitors in the world. <laughs> Not only do they, like, leave a body in a fridge, which maybe, okay, they didn't use that fridge that day. I get that. Dr. Gregory's glasses are just sitting on the ground and have been yeah. for a day. Yeah. And nobody even picked them off off the ground until Buffy picks them up. And we learn spoilers at the end. They're still in that classroom at the end of that episode. The janitors never clean. No wonder <laughs> vampires are, are everywhere. They don't even, apparently they don't even have janitors that clean up this high school. So They're they can too hang out busy they cleaning up the blood everywhere else in <laughs> yes. the school. And broken windows. The, the witch residue. Giles, meanwhile, has been researching a vampire whose hand was cut off by the master. Mm-hmm. Was it the same one that attacked Angel? Or did this vamp attack Mr. Gregory? Do we have two separate storylines? What? What is this? Buffy goes to the cemetery to look for this fork-handed vampire. Mm-hmm. She finds him. They fight. As she's chasing him, Buffy sees the vamp confront Ms. French walking home from the grocery store. The vamp then runs away from her. But why? He's afraid of groceries, obviously. I mean, she's got some pretty vile asparagus in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's probably, like, allergic. Brussels sprouts? Mm-hmm. Fuck those things. Yeah. I'm going to the sewer. 
I like this thing, I, scene. I think that it's a great mm-hmm. little um, spoiler as to like, all right, something is wrong with yeah. this woman besides the fact that she's clearly hitting on 15-year-old boys. Yeah. And that she's like a new character in the sense that, oh, this must be a villain character. Yes. The super vampire is afraid of her. Principal Flutie insists that Buffy sees the counselor after seeing Mr. Mm-hmm. Gregory's body. As Buffy therefore arrives late to a science test, Miss French Head turns 360 degrees. Why does no one immediately turn to she's an owl? Uh, thank you! <laughs> thank you! Everyone's like, clearly she's a bug. No, an owl! I'd go to owl! Later she says <laughs> in the episode, like, the only animal that can turn their head is a man. Owl! No, owls! That is the first thing anybody else thinks of! <laughs> Clearly, she's an owl. Yeah, she's an owl lady, a sexy owl lady, <laughs> which I think would probably be a little hotter than a sexy mantis lady if we're ranking animal ladies. Yeah, I would much rather go after, like, bird than bug, all right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't want to pass over, though, one of my favorite really corny jokes. Right before she sees the exorcist twist, um, <laughs> uh, she's encouraged by the principal to seek counseling and to heal. Heal. Oh. Heal! The joke being, of course, that he's telling her to heal as an emotional, but also heal like a dog, and she immediately sits I do down. like that. It's a good delivery. Yes. Buffy somehow deduces that this 360-degree head spin is bug-like behavior and nothing else, and researches to find out what kind of bug Mrs. French is. Mm-hmm. She better hurry, because Ms. French has invited Xander to make those papier-mâché eggs at her house. Guitar noise! I like, <laughs> I like that. That's good. It's yeah. a nice reminder of how we started this episode. Mm-hmm. And makes it a kind of like Xanderific episode in yeah. a way. Where it's it's kind of his story of dealing with high school stuff. And we don't get many of those. Mm-hmm. Natalie then eats a cricket and mayo sandwich. I have issues with the fact that there's very little crickets by the time she's done because they jump out of her sandwich. That is an issue. Also the issue that uh, I think the more suspicious thing, even more suspicious than turning your head full 180 degrees, is having a Tupperware with a giant label saying food. <laughs> Which, like, You'd have your name on it. Yeah. Or like lunch. Yeah, you wouldn't say food. Food. <laughs> like, you're going to know it's your food. It's what else a would it be? It's in, in Tupperware. your bag. Do you have food and then also here's some specimens? That's in where I keep my pens. Yeah, that's my. my <laughs> oh, wait, which one? And when you Make sure up, you don't eat your pens, out. Mike. You don't want to eat those oh, okay. pens. Okay, yeah. I did have a kid in my middle school that did that. <laughs> Constantly had ink all over his mouth. He Instead of fruit punch mouth, he had ink mouth. Ink mouth. Mm-hmm. Clearly, instead of vampire, he was part squid. Mm hmm. Giles has a former classmate who specialized in bugs who is going to contact about a possible human praying mantis demon hybrid. I'm a little confused as to why this is in the episode. I think they just had to fill it out for time. Why do we need to contact this guy? I kind of like it just because in comparison to the rest of the series where it's always they just find it in some obscure book, the contact, the information they find out through a different means... I feel like it's a little weird that that's one of the first things that they find out this way. I feel like it would have been a really cool thing if this had happened sometime in season two that Giles like, oh, I know this guy from back in the day over in England town who knew something about this. Turns out he's insane. I have to call him and figure this out. And more just my issue with it is that it's so early in the series run. But my question is, does the if Giles' friend does not exist, mm-hmm. does that change the episode at all? They're still going to go to Mrs. French's house. Well, I guess the thing is it confirms that this is like a set thing. That they're not okay. just assuming it's a bug lady. Which I think would ring more true if it wasn't so like, oh, she must be a praying mantis lady because she can turn her head around. 
oh, I think I heard about a praying mantis lady who could turn her head around. That That's where the math doesn't add up for me. Buffy, meanwhile, attempts to warn Xander away from his French. Xander is insulted and storms mm-hmm. off. He goes to his French house. She's waiting for him in a tight red satin dress with mm. candles lit and a martini in hand. This is not real life. <laughs> and she goes really all out to immediately drug somebody. Like I don't, I don't get unless it's just yeah. for fun. Why? Like she's she could be wearing s- the same clothes from school. And just like here, and have, not have, have candles, water. and like, he oh, would okay. be still just as smitten. Yeah, and and especially since it's not like she has to like. Oh, I have to seduce you to this point, and then I can become a mantis. She just drugs him and puts him down in the cellar for later. Yeah, I don't. It, it seems yeah. very cartoony. Yeah, and also like as a fifteen-year-old boy, your first sip of a martini is not like, oh, that's the martini. No, you're coughing because yeah. that shit's strong. Yeah, well, especially <laughs> since he gulps on the whole thing. Like he does have a decent reaction to like the first sip, but then he gulps on the whole thing. If you were fifteen and that was really your first experience no. of alcohol, you would probably spit it back up. <laughs> yeah, no. Shit's harsh. Yeah. As previously mentioned, his martini is drugged. Mm-hmm. He passes out, wakes up in Ms. French's basement with Blaine, his Aww. best friend. Uh, and we do get, um, as he's getting drugged, a very early, uh, later to come back in the Avengers, shawarma reference. Really? Uh, yeah. He mentions, when he's talking, mumbling about Greek food, he mentions shawarma. So, another uh, nice little kind of shawarma. Uh, predictor of uh, future Joss glory. Giles' friend describes a shemantis that lures virgins to her nest to mate with them and then behead them. Buffy's research, meanwhile, has influenced her plan to use bat sonar to weaken and distract Miss French. I love this. Again, she's using mm-hmm. her brain. She's doing her homework. Yeah. Although it seems, and maybe this is a little too nit- nitpicky, why would a giant shemantis still be afraid of bats? I, she says it affects her nervous system. So I, I feel like that's so something like that's that just ingrained like, okay. into the genetic makeup of a, of a praying mantis. So it's like a demon just like, oh, I'm going to take out this like essence of mantis and make this form. And it just happened to still have that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what it seems like to me. Because it's not like she acts scared. Mm-hmm. She acts like just freaking out over. Mm-hmm. What is that noise? Oh, my God. It yeah. hurts my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't control my body. It's like the brown note. Giant pooping bug. It's the climax of the episode. In the original script, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so where is Ms. French? She stole the identity of an old lady. We go to find the original original Mrs. Mm-hmm. French, who is this old woman. I love her to death. I'm like, where is Ms. French? Oh, no, dear. I'm right here. <laughs> I love her. I just want to adopt her. Prepare to have your mind blown for a second time. Much like the Amber Benson bomb, I'm Uh-oh. going to drop a Miss French bomb. Do you know who that actress is? No. Her name is Jean Spriegel Howard. She is Ron Howard's mom. Oh my god, I love it! She's yes. adorable! Yes, Good for you, Ron Howard. Your mom is adorable. Woman. I love her. And I think, uh, also by research, apparently uh, Rance Howard, who is Ron Howard's dad, appears on Angel later on. Ooh. So, I, I'm not sure as what character, but it's weird family that loves, apparently, the Joss Whedon-verse. Wouldn't be surprised if Ron shows up at some point. Buffy captures Fort Guy and drags him around the neighborhood using him to find Ms. French. Again, she's using her brain. I love this. I think that's a really smart thing. It's like a dowsing rod, I guess. Mm -hmm. Vampire dowsing rod. (laughs) It works. And just as Ms. French is about to pop Xander's cherry, Buffy arrives to save the day. Mm -hmm. Another thing where I think, I guess you can use the idea of, I have the weird mantis essence, 
But I don't know why bug spray would still work on a giant bug. I think it's pretty dependent on, like, the size. That's why bug spray can work. I think bug spray would, I mean, it kills a small bug, but it maybe injures you or annoys you. I mean, like, it's not the only thing she does. Exactly, yeah. She does, that like, would be real three bad. things total. Yeah. Uh, she plays the bat sonar, mm-hmm. causing the mantis to lose control and giving Buffy the upper hand to hack it to pieces off screen. But I do love that when she first tries to play it, it's the wrong side. And it's Giles talking about, you should not only file things alphabetically, but I just want to hear the rest of that tape. <laughs> He's so rich. <laughs> like, Why? It's the most boring tape ever. Clearly. What are you recording about how to <laughs> categorize things? The Dewey Decimal System. He's a librarian, for God's okay. sake. It's an instructional tape that he's recording as a watcher to teach librarians. Willow mentions that the mantis only targets virgins, which caused some discomfort between Xander and Blaine. Mm -hmm. Xander, though, takes out his frustration on Ms. French's eggs. Yep. I like that Willow thinks that he's going to, like, come after her with a machete. Yeah. I also like the moment where he tells Blaine to shut up, which I feel like... We've all wanted to do for the whole episode, because Blaine is just the worst guy. About damn time Mm -hmm. somebody said it. Exactly. So uh, this, I think, is a good time to bring up another thing that kind of bugs me with this episode. It's another thing where it's just, if you don't think about it, it's fine. Uh, The monster of this week is probably a pedophile, definitely a rapist. Yep. And a giant bug. If you really think about it, that's one of the most horrific things you could face. <laughs> True. And Ew. Xander gets yeah. over a I always define her as a cougar, but you are correct. No, She's so much worse. Yeah, Cougars are like go after willing victims. Exactly. Like she If like, Miss French were a person, she'd be mm-hmm. a cougar because those yeah. boys totally wanted to get with human Miss yeah. French. And I just I feel I almost feel bad for Miss French that if she had just been able to keep her human form outwardly, she could so much more easily do this. Yeah. But then I don't feel bad for her because she's a rape monster. Yes. That's uh, really a horrible thing. Everything you deserve. Yes. Later at the bronze, Angel arrives. Buffy mm. offers him his jacket back. <gasps> he says, it looks better on you. Oh. I love this moment. This is such a good angel. This is where he starts to turn around for me. Again, yep. Joss is just trying to shoehorn him down my throat, mm-hmm. but I'm accepting it at this point. I'm just going to swallow it and go with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely of the angel stuff we've seen so far, the easiest to to tolerate because he doesn't seem as actively a jerk as he does in earlier ones where... He's flirty, and I love Buffy's yeah. reaction. Like, oh boy. Because that's kind yeah. of the way I think. Like, uh-oh. Oh, what's going to happen now? And then, of course, we get the the little tag at the end when she's back in the classroom. Uh, she finds the glasses. Again, glasses are still there. <laughs> Horrible janitors. Um, and we think, like, oh, this is the little reveal. But then we see that there's eggs in the closet. That bugs me because they never come back. It Why bugs have, like, you? Oh, my God. Mike, no. <laughs> you and your puns. <laughs> Uh, yes, it bugs me <laughs> because they don't come back. We don't see it again. This is what happened to those eggs in the r- seven years of the show. Maybe nobody just ever opened that closet again because we've established they have terrible janitors. <laughs> Maybe nobody uses. But that they closet. never hatched. Maybe they hatched and they just starved in there because they couldn't make it out of the closet. Okay. Uh, doesn't make it nearly as scary that there's just a bunch of baby insects that just kind of died in the closet. But this brings me to my last thing that of uh, thinking about the episode kind of bugs me. And I guess you could make the argument that this is just a kill that she has. But was Dr. Gregory a virgin? Because there's eggs in his oh. classroom. Oh. She 
she, as far as we know, only attacks virgins and bites off their heads when she's having sex with them. The most logical explanation is that she kind of, like, attacked him, got those (laughs) eggs in the classroom, and then, like, went on from there. Oh, poor Dr. Gregory. Yeah. I feel so bad. He's so nice. Mm -hmm. And things suck for him several times over. Yeah. He's lived a long life. Mm-hmm. Still a virgin, and then dies a horrible death. You yeah. poor thing. That, he's he's finally like, oh, I'm I'm gonna make it with this beautiful hot substitute teacher who's oh. here for I don't but know. They, what reason. Hold on a sec. But they, in order for her thing to work, they do have to make it first, though, right? So at least maybe he died happy. I, I mean, well, <laughs> if it went well, they they describe that she lays the eggs and then like they have sex, and it, apparently from the Xander Bland thing, she's not like a lady at that point. So I don't know how she's even like I don't getting know if guys it's enjoyable. to do it. I mean, yeah. he, I'm gonna get real Fair for ones? a second. He's he's got to enjoy it somewhat if he's gonna fertilize the egg. Exactly. <laughs> so maybe it's kind of like if you gotta go, this is the way to Might go. Might as well. <laughs> Might as well have sex with a giant bug lady first. Oh God. <laughs> do you have anything else to say about teacher's pet? <laughs> I I don't think I can top that sentence. No, I mean that's that's definitely gonna haunt me for a while <laughs> again i like the lessons in these standalone episodes so yep. what's the lesson in teacher's pet thinking about this i think it is a warning about teenage boys bragging mm-hmm. about their sexual conquest yeah. deserved or undeserved yeah. this is not something that gentlemen do mm-hmm. maybe also beware cougars yeah a little bit yeah and just in general don't don't give in to the peer pressure about sex because it's all bullshit yeah. Like... And then, the, I mean, that's a theme that's going to come up several times in this exactly. show. So now it's time to celebrate Buffy's badassery with Ooh. this week's Slay of the Week. <laughs> so by my count, there are only three slays between these two episodes. Yeah, the first one doesn't have any. Nobody dies. Okay, so that was a thing. Like, does that count as a slay? Even without that slay, I'm going to say there's three. Okay, okay. So there's, there's Forkhanded Vamp. Mm-hmm. Giant Mantis Woman, Mm -hmm. and Miss French, who clearly dies five minutes after they leave her house. (laughs) Yes? What's your logic there? She's old. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... See, I I had different math here, because I I thought you were counting the dream vamp. Oh! So that's how I get three. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. Either either way, they're 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 definitely ones that would have asterisks if you were to put them. At yes, the, uh, it's very confusing. The slay of the week hall of fame. It's a very low kill count for mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. What's your vote for the slay of uh, the week? Mine has to be the she mantis because most deserving death of the week by far. True. Um, she is the worst, and also I do like as far as the technical nature of it. I do like the part where they show the shadow of Buffy slashing at the she mantis. Yeah. That's a cool shot. Sure. Um, but yeah, slim pickings most other weeks that would not get my vote, but it's very similar. I think to the psycho, like Mm -hmm. knife in the shower of having a, an implication of what's happening without having to be bloody gory mess. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it would have been a lot more expensive to actually cut up that mantis suit. And who knows? Maybe they thought that was going to be their most classic returning villain. So I have my vote plus a runner up. Okay. Because I didn't I wanted to hear your votes on Mrs. Madison. So my first vote for the Slay of the Week was Mrs. Madison okay. being cast into the trophy. Not really a slay because she doesn't mm-hmm. die. It's a fate worse than death. But I like Buffy's use of her brains, mm-hmm. the mirror. I love her being stuck in the trophy and the fact that it comes up later. Yeah. 
But if we're not counting that, because she's still technically alive, my runner-up is Xander hacking up the eggs Ooh. at the end of Teacher's Pet, because I think that's super deserved. He needed that deserved. moment. Yeah. <laughs> he needed that. Yeah. I'm glad he gets that moment. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. And it's even just on a practical standpoint, you do not want those eggs coming back. No, it's good. Good. I mean, nobody else was doing it. Mm-hmm. Got to get that done. Yeah. Smart Xander. Way to go, Xander. <laughs> he's, he's smart after all. So yeah, uh, more picks than I thought when I was first. Yeah, it was a little rough this week. Mm -hmm. Thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Subscribe on iTunes and join us next time when we dust off Never Kill a Boy on the First Date and the Pack when we get lost in the Sunnydale Stacks. Well, thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Slacks. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) We put on different pants related to Buffy the Vampire Slayer Uh, every week.